to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch, and welcome to this very special edition of the Construction Big Breakfast. Today, we're going to be discussing the life and times of Carmelo Mikalev, um, perhaps better known to his work colleagues as Charlie. And welcome to the podcast, Carmelo. Thank you. Can you give our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're from? I'm Carmelo Mikalev, born in San Juan, Malta, in 1934. So I, was, I grew up in the war, and unfortunately, after the war, before, in 1938, my father was killed. So I grew up in the war with just a mother. I come to England in 1953, and I started work with cementation in 1956. Okay, Charlie, that's, that's a great little intro for everybody. Let's just, um, when everyone comes on this podcast, there's one question, there's only one question that we've really scripted. So I'm going to ask it to you now. So, Charlie, it's great to have you on here today. We're going to have a very interesting discussion. The first question is, though, what did you have for breakfast? For breakfast, I think I had cornflakes today. Cornflakes. And I had my usual, which is a bacon roll from Jude, oh, who right. uh, runs the little uh, yeah. cabbage shack in uh, uh, Russell Square. Oh, anyway, so we're going to be talking about your life and times because you're just about to have published your book, yeah. an autobiography, which yeah. is a, a fascinating read. It's called From Malta to the East End of London. Yeah your life uh would be details about how to get hold of that at the end of the uh, film and also in the uh, show notes so charlie you you've alluded to the fact that you were born before the war yes on malta and when you were four years old the tragedy struck yes yeah my father my uncle was in an argument over a dog he sold the dog to this guy and he was sitting in the dog bed, the dog kept coming back and my uncle offered to buy it back and the bloke wouldn't sell it so they had an argument and shot my uncle my father went to take the shotgun from him he was shot in, in the knee and died the next day I think, taking a school interest um, then the war started, I remember they started hell got loose Woman screaming, coming out with a big cross, praying. Yeah. Uh, her son was putting a horse together, started to take the horse back. We went home again. So the warriors, um, we lived on the path of the plane coming from Sicily, go over our heads, and uh, passed us to go to the docks and the airport. We lived in a hill, so we could see it. So we waited for the planes to go past us and then we come out of the shelter to watch the big show in it. We couldn't go and planes coming down. But when I was seven, when I was 
early years, seven or whatever, I, to go out of my street, I had to fight two boys. One lived in the corner, one lived in the corner, one lived to the left, a couple of houses. And uh, the big boys used to lead them up to fight me. One was twice the size of me, I used to beat him, and the other one used to fight, come with a stone every night, grab a stone. And I used to beat him again. So that lived with all my life because whenever I feel threatened. Um, then I was out of control and doing all sorts of things, villainy. And my mother used to lock me in. I used to go on the roof, get down from the roof in fields and run across the fields and go whatever. And, uh, you know, when I think of it, I really feel sorry for what I done to my mother. Then uh, I played football, I played with San Juan and I played with Valletta and I played with Poitsan uh, under 18. And um, I just picked every time. And um, then I started work and um, they kept me on and on changing governors. And eventually, when I was 18, I was in charge of leveling a football ground. I had 45 men working on them, and I used to use dynamite. Now, you know, to use dynamite today, you have to go to university, probably, you know. So people got to go back in time when they read the book. I had a gun when I was eight, with my father had, and we used to um, play with it. Shoot. Matter of fact, one of my friends was greased here, he had bandage heads and just greased it. So and then at 1953, I come here and. Um, but Charlie, just before you get on to what happened when you came to the UK, yeah. let's just explore some of that early stuff. Yeah. Because when I've, I was reading that, it yeah. is a completely different time, isn't it? It is a different time and different, different attitude. And, because you, you, you said you carried a gun from the age of eight. Yeah. You used to take it to, when you played football so in case when yes. you're coming back, yes. you got mugged. Yes, and there was the place I used to pass by. Obviously, the buses stopped. Yeah. And the place I used to go by had a very bad name for people in jumping. So I used to walk in the middle of the street. So if anybody jump off the wall, I have time to sort of shoot him. Uh, so I had a raincoat, so I used to poke it out of the raincoat. And uh, there was nobody found in the dressing room. So, yeah, I mean, this, the things I've done, it's hard to believe. But then again, today they find the kids in London, nine-year-old with guns. Well, maybe it's... And there wasn't peasants like I was, so... Of course, it was also during the war, so presumably there was more guns and ammunition about Well, yeah, I mean, uh, my my mate got a box of bullets, box of bullets, but um, nine inches square or ten inches. And, uh, but the bullets didn't fit my gun. So what we've done is put a tin wire around the groove. That's what I'm saying to fit my gun. And we used to go in the valley and shoot across the valley to a 
We used to go and buy bullets. That's what I'm saying. Today we go and buy bullets from the shop or gate. Yeah, we used to go to a place. And funny enough, I was talking to one of my nephews. And he said the family that lived there still live off his grandson or whatever now. Yes. Yes, I would still exist. So, in the context of this book, then, yeah. we're talking about a really, really different time. Obviously, yeah, yeah, people think COVID's bad. It wasn't as bad as the Second World War, was it? No, I said yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing. Nice. No. It's a problem, but it's not nothing compared with what previous generations have No, been. I mean, there was only next door to us had scables. Where everybody was covered, they had to cut it down the stairs, down the stairs. Excellent. And, uh, I mean, with my family, all they had bits here. Wasn't too bad. Because as I said in the book, where I had my mother's family, they were saints. And they kept us going. My father's family were tyrants. Never give us anything. So that's the difference. But my mother's family, um, and you couldn't, I mean, they, one aunt gave us a big bag of sugar. And another I used to work in the Nafi. And the other uncle used to bring product from the fields. But I had to cover them in straw. Because if they got caught, obviously, would have been broken. So the war ends, you start doing some work yes. locally. Yes. Um, at what point did you come to the UK? I was 18. I want to go to Canada. So I go to America, but it was by numbers. So they decided for me, so I come here. And I started changing jobs. This is in the early 50s? 53. 53, yeah. Started changing jobs, and eventually I got a job with Giovanni. They were building their factory where the London University is today, my land. Yes. And I wanted to, I just got them handbags for him, and I said, I'm leaving. Had a meeting with the family, come back. He said, do you want any more money? He said, no, I'm leaving. I said, I want to work outside. He went there again, he come back, he said, switch the machine off. Took me there, I said, I'm building a factory here, you want to work here? I said, yeah. And uh, they didn't know the building or anything, so I sort of had a good background. And I was doing everything, you know, um, telling what to order. And then piling coming on. And the foreman said to me, if you want a job, come and see me. This is the guys drilling the piles? Yeah, yeah. well, not drilling them, they're tripod. Tripod, yeah. And uh, a while after, I seen a couple of the boys in Allgate, and I lived in Brick Lane. And uh, they told me they were working in Allgate, and I went to see them starting me off. That's, that's how I started with cementation. I should, for everyone who's watching, explain that many years later, that was how we met. Yes. And we'll come to that later, but that, that's how we met. Yes. So when did you start with cementation? In, in 1956. 1956, wow. Working in mud, because there wasn't no preparation in the place. And uh, no gloves. You grab a bit of steel and you have to push it away, because it's the end. 
yes. the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was with one of one of the worst machine drivers. So I was helping him sometimes. And then um, I was working with the same foreman that started me about a year after, and uh, the driver went sick. And uh, so he asked me to drive the machine. And I had an Irish old boy with me, and we done the same work, finished earlier. <laughs> so I promised me that he'd put me driving. I had a job in Swansea, put me driving there. And uh, from went on from there. So you started in 1956. Yeah. And you became a driver a few years later? No, a year after. A year after, 57. Yeah. You drove the old tripod with a, yes. a handle. Yeah. That's what my career was driving. He had a go, did he? Well, what they done is asked me to drive. Driving, and then they put my regrave and then showed my work. <laughs> so yeah, but I had a job to pull the handle, which you could see on this photo. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was dope actually. But, Who knows? Um, yeah, and then I went from there. I was, I was pretty good driving. I don't. Well, I was in the best, I was in the best. Matter of fact, in later years, Trevor Philcourt paid me nice compliments about it, which he was the managing director then. He said, I used to make the machine sing. But unfortunately, it stuck a bit with me, you know, with the old establishment, that I was just a right of man. But anyway, yeah. And um, then, they made me fall in about 66. And I was only, then after a couple of years, I was sent to a job in Crystal Palace to do six pies in a grabbing job. And the foreman's father went sick. And the job was terrible. They were condemning pies. Everybody was at loggerheads. The foreman went, well, father died in the foreman. So they asked me to help the foreman that was helping him. And that day a pile was condemned. So the director came and the engineer to see what they can do. The director went to the clerk of work office and the clerk of work told him to clear the office because it's making it dirty. That's how relationship was. Oh, really? Yes. That's not very good, is it? Something was like that. Anyway, he asked me why these drivers keep going if the pile is going off. And I said, look, your engineer, your foreman, found the engineer to ask him what to do. Your engineer said, carry on from 30 miles away. I said, and you'll blame the driver. He said, Charlie's right. I said, I'm all right. He said, don't bother everything. <laughs> anyway, he said to me, if I put you in charge, do you think you can do anything about it? I said, well, I think I can. Anyway, they had to, I said, well, you got to do something about it. He said, well, I said, look, do something with the bonus. I said, I can say I just arrived. 
you've got to give me an excuse because I believe in excuses. So welcome. So when I had the well the drivers come back, it's right, you're on. I said the first thing I want to do before you go is take the foreman off. That was second name command and now he's on top of him. So yeah. take him off. I said, what are you going to do with the world? So what I done is uh, I had one of the drivers, got them to give me a hand. The tea boy was finishing at three, so he wasn't getting money. So I met the tea boy in the club and this guy to give me a hand. I went to the club, got work next day, and I told him. I said, from now on, the casing will going straight. I said, below the casing, we just drop in the door. So I can guarantee that's going to be perfect. I said, but I'm, you won't find any more casing that's not straight. And the worst was, he said, no, I'm not perfect, I'm not Jesus Christ. And uh, then from 32 bars a week, I brought, started doing between 1900. I don't think I reached 100 once, but that's how. And um, so it's a great example of a uh, bit of courage, leadership. Leadership and a uh, different approach, really. I mean, the crowd approached the clock of works. I told him that I'm not perfect, and he accepted it's not perfect. Within a few days, he was coming to my office having a cup of coffee. And uh, the engineer that used to be, used to give me cotton on again. There's a different relationship. Um, the funny thing is, the crowd, I want to buy something for the car. And which Chicago recommended. And I got it from the corner shop. So he said to me, oh, you got a city, I got it from there, trade. He said, Oh, can you do a trade? I said, Yeah. He said, I need a set of tires, can you get it? I said, I'll do better than that. I'll get you a set of tires. So I found the director. I said, The car works, need a pair of tires. He said, How do you manage that? You know, last time I spoke to him, I told him, I said, well, I find there's a window I got, I said, and jumped in it. So, that afternoon there was a set of tires for him. And the job went very well. It all helps yeah. the world go around, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, then I went home and they sent me to look at a couple of jobs, you know. That and uh, went to a couple of job jobs. Then they phoned me up to go another job, there was strike. I got them going. Um, yeah, so that's how I become. I didn't make me a supervisor then. But what happened was I was doing a first side job in North Street, and they bought the territory. They put on that job. And uh, one night after I left, they had trouble putting the case in. And the supervisor phoned the director. So the next morning, seven o'clock, he arrived on site for half seven. Said to oh, somebody push you out of the bed. I said, no, I can't do so you. You know, but then, yes. there was a, a bit of a backhead bit. He said, I want to be supervisor in London. I said, you're joking. I said, this cop is go mad. Yeah. No, don't worry about that. 
And then I was talking to my, having lunch with my daughter, with my son and his wife, his wife. And she said two stories. So the thing because of big, it could be shorter and shorter. Yeah. And I think that's what started. And because it was so easy to write, I didn't have to invent or I just sit in. Yes. Matter of fact, my granddaughter said, you're writing it as if you're talking to somebody. But I think, I mean, when I look at it now, to do 77,000 words on one person, which I didn't write all of it. Didn't write all of it, what I went through, because some of it was crude, some of it involved animal. Um, I mean, my, my mother, for instance, I hated cats when I was grown up. Don't know why. And every cat my mother got, I got rid of it. So, yeah. I so, didn't. But it's, but this is, I mean, I've, I can tell, I can vouch for this book that it's, uh, it's, it's very, very real. It is real. It's about you, it's as you recall it. Yes. Written by you. Anyone who knows you, it's obviously written by you. Yeah. Uh, it's a remarkable achievement because uh, you didn't spend that long at school, did you? No, and I hated school. The only thing I liked at school, Sam's, I was very good. Yeah. Very good. And uh, when I come to leave school, the teacher asked my mother, keep me in school to be an accountant. But I wanted to work, so I come out. Charlie, I think that's a great place to just uh, wrap up, really, okay. because um, it's it's a hell of a story. Um, yeah. Which we didn't touch much of it. We've only just in one of these little films. We can yeah. only touch a bit. Give right. a few tasters. Yes. Uh, if you want the full story, you're gonna have to get the book. Yes. yes. So, what at the end of this video, we'll put the links to where the book is available because yeah. I know it gets published soon uh, and also how people can get hold of you if they want to okay. either get the book or yes. ask you some questions or yeah. put your email on there. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up this conversation which uh, it's, it's been one of my favourite episodes this because of you know, you. we've got such a long association yeah. and uh, we've got quite a lot of shared experiences but yeah. nothing only from 1987. Yes. Nothing before. There's an awful lot that happened before that. Yeah, of I didn't know about most of it, so yeah. it's a fascinating book. As I said, the um, all the details I had to get hold of the, a copy of the book, and if you want to make contact with Charlie, we'll put in the show notes. And to all of our listeners today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Construction Big Breakfast, the special episode with Carmelo, Charlie Mikalev. Uh, as you may know, we have an episode uh, published every week. So click on the subscribe button and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And if you enjoyed this episode today, please like it and share it as it helps us to gain more listeners and hopefully help Charlie sell some more Thank books. Uh, if you are interested in uh, 
being a guest on this podcast or looking to collaborate in other ways, visit our website. Again, the details are in the show notes. And fill out the contact form and one of our people will be in touch. So see you next time. Bye. Bye. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.